Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Hey guys, Dan Bradbury here. Super excited for another guest interview on the Dan Bradbury Show. In a moment, I'll be introducing you to Stephen Green. Stephen Green is one of the UK's leading property mentors. He started out in the army. We're going to talk a little bit about this and had some pretty traumatic experiences, PTSD, but has gone on to build a property portfolio worth over £8 million, 80 different properties and 10 different businesses. He's an absolute rock star. He's also a world record holder and an inspiration to many, many people, not only in areas of mental health, but physical fitness and other things combined. So with all that said, welcome, my friend, Stephen. Good to have you. Thanks, Dan. You all right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us. So um, I know you're in the the midst of one of your intensive elite trainings at the moment, but to kick us off, I want to throw us in the thick of it. I want to take us back to 2003 in Iraq, where where you were serving serving your country, thank you for your for your service. There was kind of a pivotal moment out there, which significantly changed the course of your life. Considering you're a chap that left school with no qualifications and signed up for the military, what what happened out there in Iraq? I mean, it wasn't the first operational tour I'd been on. I'd actually uh, been on a few operational tours prior to that. The year before, we'd been in Afghanistan which was a a real eye-opener. I think it was just more the conditions in Iraq. Because we were the first ones in and we crossed the border, um, the Iraq war couldn't physically start until we'd done our job, which is sort of our claim to fame. When we crossed over the border into Iraq and uh, we set up camp, it's literally you're just setting up on the desert. There's nothing there at all. Because of that, you're waiting for supplies to come in and... We were living on four litres of water a day, bearing in mind it was 45 degrees temperature. We were wearing full body armour, heavy body armour plates, carrying your weapon, carrying your equipment around in full trousers, boots. Just red hot and uh, four litres of water a day doesn't go very far when that's to drink with, shave with, shower with. So obviously the uh, shaving and uh, and things like that, the, the sort of go out the window or you've got a shave. So you've got your, basically your shaver and your, your dry shaving, which uh, is, is uh, not the best. You can't keep on top of your hygiene. The, the main thing which got me down was the fact that everyone got sick here and it literally just went around camp. It was so severe because of how bad our hygiene was. Everyone was just losing weight, like literally... I think I went from about 12 and a half stone down and not much more than 10 stone during that tour. It was the self-image thing. It was taking me back to a kid where I was small, where I was skinny, where I was in hospital quite a lot. And it just really impacted my self-image. It just didn't feel like we were ever going to come home. Every time we were told a date, it went back. All of that, it was the mental side. I didn't have the uh, the mental robustness, which I, I do now. I was still very strong. But I think it was just a combination of the losing weight, being sick, um, and then keep getting told that we were going home and then it kept going back. There was, because of all the deaths that were out there as well, they do something called Operation Silence where you're not allowed to make any contact back home, no emails. 
you're on operation silence for five days and literally it was somebody would die, the phone lines would be open, within 24 hours someone else has died and it's you're back off for five days. So like you say, just a combination of things really got me down. For somebody that's never served in the military, I, I, it's it's difficult to comprehend. And so like, what did that lead you to do? Because you were, in a sense, typical. There's a lot of uh, young men especially, I mean, women as well, obviously served in the military, but young men that kind of go, you know what, hate school, got no qualifications, you know, oh, all right, I'll do this and then I can get to uh, be fit, travel the world, etc., and have a career. Yeah. What what changed for you? What caused you to make the shift for you building the kind of property empire? You've been on television. You've been, like, What caused you to make that move? I've always been motivated. My dad was always very strict to me in that way. He forced me into to doing things like cycling, and I cycled at a high level when I was a kid. He always told me that I'd go to work. I always remember getting laid off once from my boss. I'd worked every day from leaving school. The weather was bad. I was doing plumbing and roofing. He said, I need to lay you off for a couple of weeks. And I always remember my dad coming in my bedroom that morning. It wasn't sort of right. look, I want you to go down the job centre. And I didn't even need to go to the job centre. I was off for two weeks. That was it. Just to let a bit of work build back up. It was the first time it had happened. And my dad literally that morning, he came in my bedroom like two, three hours before the job centre would even be open, six o'clock in the morning, pulled the covers off my bed, grabbed hold of my foot and just yanked me out of bed and literally went, you'll be the first person down that job centre. So if there's any jobs going, you'll make sure you get it. And he was always tough for me that way in terms of you'll go to work, you work hard. If you want anything from life, then you need to go out and get it. So I was always uh, motivated. I'd done well in the army. I was a physical training instructor, past P company. So I always had that mentality of work hard, push myself. And my dad was always a typical saver. So he's never really been into investments, but it was always keep some money for a rainy day, don't spend it all. Uh, and I certainly took that on board. So when I went on tour, the guys would, we would come home and we could have anywhere up to five, six grand in the bank because you've, you've not spent anything like literally apart from basic things. And the guys come and, and live like pop stars that just go out and uh, get pissed up and just live the life literally on, on leave for four or five weeks. But I didn't keep the money and I went out on a few things, but I sort of thought, right, I'll keep a chunk of it. Uh, and that money built up and I, I bought my first house property i just thought right i've got money building up uh what do i do with it so i started looking into a few things and the first investment property i bought was in 2006 and it kind of went from there i built that up for four years then i was doing that well from it that in 2010 i decided i was due to go back to afghanistan again the guy that i served we were really close with he was a bit older than me sort of took me under his wing looked after me when I first got, uh, he was killed in Afghanistan. Sadie, my my uh, little girl, was through all the time for me to get out. And uh, at that point, I made the jump. Fantastic. And obviously, you, you document a lot of the stuff that you've done in property in your fantastic book, Safe as Houses, which people can get, where all, where all good books are sold. But talk to us about, more about the entrepreneurial streak, and then I want to come back around and talk about the your world record and some of your physical efforts, which are just astonishing. 
talk to us about business because now you have multiple different companies and that's really expanded. When did property transition into being a quote-unquote entrepreneur? It was probably around about 2013. So I suffered from PTSD and uh, I had a, a breakdown. I had to see a therapist and that sort of caught up with me. So why I was in Iraq, it was tough times, but I got through it. And then it was 10 years after that, that I suffered from PTSD. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my family. I didn't even tell Gemma. I, to be honest, it sort of crept up on me. I, I, I didn't think I had an issue. And I was just having this reoccurring dream about being back in Iraq. It got more frequent from once every few months to once every week to every night to a few times a night. Um, and at, at that time, I was just, uh, I was so anxious through the day. I was scared to go to sleep at night. And I literally, I just cracked, I broke down. I remember, I remember coming home one particular day and, I just literally, I broke. I remember arguing with, with my friends out drinking that night and uh, came home with that rage still inside me. And I remember just smashing up loads of things in my house, like no reason why. I, I just completely lost it. And I knew at that point then it was it was sort of breaking point. And uh, I went to stay with a good friend of mine in Manchester and he said, Steve, you need to face the facts. You've got PTSD. And I was in a state of denial and, and I thought, no, he's right. It was tough to, to accept that because somebody who mentally strong has, has passed all these things in the army, was physically uh, in really good shape, really physically fit, and a sort of have to face up to that, it, it, that was really hard for me because it was a, a clash of my identity and, and who I was. And he said, look, this is not a reflection of you being weak. It doesn't take anything away from your fitness, your strength, the leader that you are you've had some unresolved things and you need to go face them. You've, you've, you've done what the army teaches you to do to hide your problems and uh, it's caught up with you, mate, and you need to go see someone. And I, I knew he was right. And uh, from that point, after getting therapy, I remember coming out the last time and I, I literally, I bro- I, I'm not an emotional person and I just broke down and cried in every session, like uncontrollably, like literally everything just came out. And I remember the last session, my granddad's death had, had been the trigger of the PTSD and I wasn't aware of it. And when I got that realisation of it, I realised he died and I never looked at any pictures of him. I wouldn't drive past the graveyard. All of these things, and I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. That day, I just thought about my granddad all day, just in a really nice way, because he he brought me up. He had a massive impact on my life and... I remember coming home that day and thinking, today's the day that my life changes and I'm going to get a grip of things and I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to really get my head down now and focus on pushing forward. I'm going to do this for my granddad. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this for my family. I thought I'm going to I'm going to look into getting around different people. And I remember a Facebook ad come up and it's uh, this guy, he was a coach. I seen the ad, I clicked on it and uh, I started to do work with him. And, and he just literally got me reflecting on my behavior, how I was showing up, my approach to business and things like that. And I just opened my construction company around that time. And he helped me take it from, uh, I think I was turning over about 170 grand a year. It went up to uh, a million quid just by implementing things like the 80-20 rule, 
and keeping the main thing the main thing, setting up sales systems, automations. It just took off from there. Literally, my life changed from that point. That's, that's amazing. I, uh, so many routes I want to go down, Steve. But uh, let's talk a little bit more about mental health. I mean, you're such an advocate. I uh, was at an event of yours just recently where uh, somebody stood up and spoke who had been suicidal and you'd help them. I believe they'd even got a date in the diary when they when they when they planned to do the deed. You'd turn them around and they, they they'd gone on and I think they'd they'd competed in some physical events and it was a complete turnaround. And you've done that on multiple occasions. And I I think you, uh, if I understand correctly, Red Car where you're from is uh, unfortunately got the highest rate of suicide in uh, in in the country. I'm really glad that. In the public domain right now, it seems it's much more socially acceptable to talk about mental health. And so it's a broad question, really. What what, what do you what are your thoughts about mental health? The fact that you've worked with so many people that have uh, been depressed, been suicidal, or been able to help them. What, what what would you say to somebody out there that's struggling right now? Because to see where I am now and to see how physically strong but mentally strong I am. When I talk about having a breakdown, a lot of people approach me and say, that's allowed me to get help because I thought I was weak. And hearing you open up on that was quite surprising, but refreshing that, hey, if this guy can can have challenges, then what's any different from me? And it's it's allowed them to open up as well. But my take on it is, if you look at it like a car, we, we wouldn't go around and, and thrash our car every day without getting it serviced, putting petrol in it, changing the oil, washing it, looking after it. Yeah, we've got this body, we've got this mind, which is everything it's controlling the entire life that we experience, all the happiness, all of our results. And for whatever reason, people don't give it a check over. They don't look at focusing on the mindset, putting themselves around the right people. So... I study mindset every day. Every day I'm listening to positive things. I'm putting myself around positive people. And the more you do that, the more it improves your mindset. So uh, I think it's something that it's not like a three-day course you can go on and go, that's it, my mindset's sorted now for the rest of my life. You need to maintain it. You need to uh, have a a structure and and a program and an approach to keeping a healthy mind just like you would a healthy body. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it's so critical to keep training. And from that, well, let's talk about two areas I want to cover before we have to wrap up, Steve. Uh, I, I want to talk about mentors, but I also want to talk about well, physical training. So, I, in fact, let's start there. So, last year, you you uh, got a world record. And hopefully, I, I say this correctly, you completed two Ironman triathlons consecutively. That was a world record. How, how, how many hours was that on, on your feet, Steve? How many hours were you exerting yourself for? Yeah, it was uh, 37 hours in total from the point of starting it. And then there was a bit of travel time. Swim was sort of 30, 40 minutes away from my house. So I had to travel there on the morning. Then officially when I started from that point, it was 37 hours. So completed the swim because I was swimming in a, in a river I then had to get out. It was sort of a half a mile walk to the minibus and then the minibus back to my hometown to do the cycle and then the run. And then 12 o'clock at night, heading back to the to the river again. So I lost um, probably three, four hours in terms of traveling and 
all of the transitions because I went from swim, bike, run to back to swim, back to bike, back to run. So all of them transitions were took time. And that's why it was a world record because nobody had done it in that in that order. Pe- people have done distances further than that and people have done distances distance like that quicker than that as well. But nobody had done it in that order of doing a full Ironman then starting another one in that order. And that's what qualified it as a as a world record. Psychologically, that I mean, that must have been so 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 tough. What 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 made you decide to do it, Steve? Why 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 take on the challenge in the first place? For probably the last three four years, when when I came out of the army in two thousand and ten, I said I was never going to run again. I was just that sick of of being forced to doing it. When I came out of the army, uh, like I said, I, thought, I didn't think at that point I'd ever run again and. I did sort of little bits here and there, but it was mainly training in the gym. The last sort of two or three years, I just had this itch of what am I still capable of? Could I still do summer? I knew that at sort of 42 age was starting to um, be against me. That itch just got stronger and stronger. And I thought, no, I want to I want to see what I'm capable of. That curiosity, which is usually my main driver of what am I capable of doing? I asked a few people what could I do as a physical challenge. It was weird because I, I asked people who I respected in the fitness world and they all came back and said, you need to do an Ironman. If you want to do a, a real hard one-day event, you need to do an Ironman. It was at that point I thought, right, okay, if everyone's saying do an Ironman, I'll do two. <laughs> yeah, and that, that certainly, uh, after doing the first one, it dawned on me because a lot of them said I couldn't think of anything worse than doing an Ironman and then starting another one after it. And mentally at that point, I, I realised what they were talking about because I'd never done an Ironman before. I'd, I'd only ever done a half in training. And when I announced I was going to do a double, I'd never even done a half. I'd never swam more than 400 metres at that point. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so funny I because I, um, the, the listeners... Uh, podcast, Steve will know that I did completing my first ultra marathon earlier this year, but they may or may not know that, that it was you that challenged me to do it. And I, I followed the same logic, you know, I went, oh, because uh, I'd never run in, I'd never run more than a half uh, marathon at that point. And I was definitely not been running for properly for several years. And I went, oh, I could do a marathon. Well, that's anybody could do that. Oh, I'll do an ultra marathon. So 50 kilometers. I was like, well, if you can do 50 kilometers, I might as well do two and <laughs> see, see if I can stretch myself. So it shows the it shows the importance of, I suppose, mentors and surrounding yourself with the right people. So yeah, talk to me about mentors, uh, Steve, because I know you've had, a, you've had a lot of important mentors in your life. Like, how important, what role do mentors play for you and how important have they been? A massive. I struggled on my property journey. I didn't have a mentor and I did everything myself and and that wasn't through choice. Uh, they just weren't around. I'd never heard of mentors when when I started out. It wasn't a big thing and because social media wasn't like it was now. You didn't really get exposed to it. And being from a town where suicide's at the highest in, in the country in Teesside, coaches and, and that sort of positive attitude is very, very limited where I come from. So uh, maybe it's in other areas it's 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 more popular or, or more known of, but certainly my area, I just I hadn't heard of it at all. And I eventually cracked what I call the coding property, where I started to figure out what worked and what didn't. But what I did learn was 
when I started to branch out into setting up my construction company, I wasn't going to make the same mistake. I wasn't going to try and figure it all out myself again. Once I seen uh, putting myself around what that done, quickly the results I got in terms of return on investment, I jumped from a sort of couple of hundred quid cost to a couple of grand to then doing a 21 grand mastermind back in sort of 2013 to 14 time. My business literally went through the roof. My, my entire life changed the, the way that I, I shown up, my attitude, everything. And I always look and think, where could I have been if I had a mentor 10 years before? Mm, fascinating. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Well, Steve, for, for, for those that want to know more about you, obviously we mentioned your book, Safest Houses, earlier, but how else can they find out about you? I know your YouTube channel is exploding right now. You're getting thousands and thousands of views a day, but what, what's the best way people can find out more about you, whether it be about the property or just about you personally and uh, the additional physical feats that you're up to? Where can they find out more? Uh, on my website, www.steegreen.co.uk, you can download my book free. There's a free PDF on there. And uh, like you say, my YouTube channel, it's gone crazy at the moment. I'm getting uh, around about 7,500 views a day. And particularly, it's mainly because of one video where uh, I did uh, another challenge, The Homeless Millionaire. That's the video that's really driving the uh, the views into the channel so they could find me on there. Next year, I've set a new challenge of we're looking right now. It's going to be a world record for the longest event. So again, people will have done a longer distance, but it will be the longest triathlon event. Currently, the world record got broken this year, and that was 180 mile. And uh, the event I'm looking to set up is 365 mile. Wow, it's astonishing. Not a man to do things by half. So make sure you go and check out Stephen Green at his website, stevegreen.co.uk. Check out his YouTube channel. Check out his book. And uh, all that leaves me to say is, Steve, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.